One of the things we like to do in the beginning of the year is to take a moment and uh, kind of focus our attention on um, who we are as a church and what we believe God is um, calling for us and kind of um, um, what our DNA is uh, of a church. And uh, so we kind of look to use this first week of the year uh, just to kind of go back to consider what we call our vision frame. Um, it's interesting, uh, maybe you've seen our vision frame before, and, and if you've heard it, uh, great. I pray you'll continue to hear it until it's such a time that you can come up here and you can share it, because what I, I was hope, my hope is that everybody gets an idea of, of why we're in the church, why we're in this um, particular church. Um, I recognize, and I'm so thankful for, um, as Connie said, there's been such tremendous growth this last year and so many new faces, and, and it's just been a wonderful opportunity to, to meet brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, I recognize there are so many great churches on Long Island that you can, you can go to, and, and um, we're so thankful that you have made Integrity your home. And, uh, you know, every church has its different distinctives and values and, and their focus. And, and, you know, different doesn't mean wrong, right? Different doesn't even mean better. It just means different, right? And so it's important that we always kind of come back on a regular basis and, and just kind of take a moment and communicate um, what and, and, and why uh, is Integrity Church um, the way it is, and how do we operate in a church? What drives us as a local church? Because it's our desire that, that, that church isn't just something you go to on a Sunday morning uh, and then don't think about it till the following Sunday morning. But uh, the reality of it is the church is a community, right? It's, it's, a, it's a gathering of believers. It's, it's not an organization. It's an organism. It's a living, breathing um, uh, body of believers that God uh, brings together. And, um, and so we use this vision frame to kind of help us communicate um, who we are as a church. Now, years, years, years back, we, uh, you know, there's, there's always been a lot of talk about the importance of churches communicating their vision to the church, right? Here's where we're going to be in, in one year, three year, five year, 10 year. And I'll be honest with you, we kind of bought into that same thinking, like, you know what, you got to really, you know, lay out for everybody where we're going, how we're going to get there, what do we need to do? And, and, and it kind of gets frustrating because every once in a while, God doesn't follow those rules, right? And God would throw a curveball. I'm like, oh, that just messed up our whole plan here. And, you know, we had this whole picture. And, and so I've kind of come to a point where I'm like, you know what? Here's my vision for, for 2024 and 2025 and 2030 if Jesus tarries. My vision is I just want to look more like Jesus, right? I want us as a congregation to, to reflect Jesus in our, in our homes and in our communities and in our workplaces and in our schools. And I, I want—I don't know how the, how all that's going to look in each individual life, but I've kind of gotten tired of trying to put a picture together that God seems to change anyway, right? Because He does a far better um, planning of the picture. Uh, so when we talk about the vision frame, the the picture in the middle there is is a picture of a body of believers that are thriving in God's plan and purpose for their lives. Right? And that's going to that's gonna look different uh, for every person. And as God gathers us together as a local expression of the, of the body of Christ, it's going to enable us to scratch a unique itch in the community that God has called us to reach out to. And so what we do is, what we, what we do want to focus, though, is, is on the frame, right? How many, uh, how many know the purpose of a frame, right, is to, and that, actually uh, Katrina gave me a great 
um, reference this morning. She said, a, a frame helps preserve the integrity of the picture. And I said, that's really good. I wish I thought of that. But um, uh, and actually, I um, told her, I said, well, I'm not going to tell them you told me that. I'm going to steal that if that's all right. But I can't do that. So, but here's the thing. The frame preserves the integrity of a picture, right? And so what we, what we want to do is kind of take a picture of what we want to, where we want to be a few years from now and, and, and maybe even six months from now, and we want to design or, or help us to kind of uh, put a frame around that uh, because a frame protects a picture. It keeps it from getting all wonky and dirty. And how many appreciate, you know, years ago when you used to take your pictures and you'd put that little thing in a, in a in, you know, you go down to the store and you send it out and you'd wait, three weeks, and then finally you get this packet in the mail, and these pictures would come out. I know the young ones are like, huh? How many, how many like, have 99.9% of your pictures on your phone? Right? I know my, my wife drives, it drives her crazy. She's like, can we just take these 10,000 pictures and, and put them in print? And I'm like, do you know how much money that would probably cost us, right? Um, but there was just something really nice about a picture, right? And when you get a nice picture, you don't just kind of throw it up there with a thumbtack. You put it around a nice frame, right? So the frame kind of preserves it. It maintains the integrity of it. And so tonight, today what we're going to look at is the vision frame of Integrity Church. As I said before, perhaps you've heard this before. Um, and if you're tired of hearing it, that's good. The goal is to make you so tired of it that you can say, you know, Pastor, I'm tired of hearing about the vision frame because I know all about it. And then you can recite it back to me than mission accomplished. But until such a then, time, we're going to continue to um, celebrate and, and, and communicate who we are as a church and uh, make the connection biblically as to why we uh, feel this is our, our unique DNA. And so we look at our mission statement, and, and we talked about what is the mission of Integrity Church, right? I mean, that's such a broad question, right? What is the, the focus of, of our church? When we talk about this idea of the mission of a church, there, there's so many different directions one could go into, right? And, and, and here's where we landed on the mission of Integrity Church. The mission of Integrity is to inspire people to passionately follow Jesus, to inspire people to passionately follow Jesus. Because here's what we've learned. We, we, we recognize that, that when a person is passionately following Jesus, when a person is in love with Jesus, every other metric of discipleship will be pursued. You see, a disciple of Jesus is a, is a student of the word of God. A disciple of Jesus knows what it is to pray, what it is to be in fellowship, what it is to uh, serve in their community and in their church, and all the different metrics of discipleship. But you see, if we do those things apart from a passionate love for Jesus, it turns into religiosity, right? And then when things don't go our way, we feel like we, we get disgruntled and, and, and we get frustrated. And so we realize this, that if we, if we can inspire people to passionately follow Jesus, every other man, you will want to be in the word of God. You will want to pursue the God of the word, right? You will want to be in fellowship. You'll want to share your faith and be involved in evangelism and service and, and all kind of other metrics of discipleship, not out of religious rote, but out of a passionate love for Jesus, now, can I just say this? Our goal is not to make you passionate about Integrity Church. That's not the goal here. Because the reality is that'll wear off over time. God didn't wire you to be passionate about, a, about, about an organization. God's wired you to be passionate about Christ 
who operates within the organism of the church, right? And so, and so what we want to do is make sure that we are pointing people not to the organization, right? It, it, it grieves my heart when I see churches constantly reinventing themselves, constantly putting out there whatever they possibly could to draw the crowd. The problem is when that's your method, you're constantly having to put new stuff out there because people become familiar with it. Listen, the only tool we have in our belt is Jesus, folks. If Jesus doesn't draw you to integrity church, you're not going to like this church over time. And we unapologetically point out, we, we, we try to do the best we can with everything we have, but the focus is Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, we seek to ensure that, that Jesus is the biggest personality in the room. I mean, it's all about Jesus, right? We preach about Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We look at everything through the lens of how does this help us see Jesus clearer, right? We're not about, we're not about self-help and motivational speaking and all those other things. I pray that you're motivated. I pray you get all the help that you need. But our focus is how do we see and embrace Jesus? Because when Jesus is central in my life, when Jesus is number one, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. And so the greatest thing we can do is to inspire people to passionately follow Jesus, he is our goal. He is our hero. He's the one that we all want to be like. He's the only one that's perfect and flawless. It's a great passage of scripture. It's actually it's my life verse. If you ever want to get a, an insight into the heart of your pastor, this is, this is really it was such a, uh, a, I pray that um, whenever God uh, is, is just about to bring me home, I, hopefully it's not anytime soon, but if he does, I hope I can look back and I pray that this, has been evident in my life. And it's these words from Paul to the church of Colossae. He says this, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I love that. That was Paul's drive. He's like, Paul's like, the best and the greatest thing we have to present to you is him. Him we proclaim. We warn everyone, we teach everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this, Paul says, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. It's about Christ. We seek to inspire people to, to passionately follow Jesus. Listen, it's not about what we're doing as a church. It's about where we're going. That's really what it's down to. If it was just about what we're doing, then Sunday morning is just the check on the box and I'll see you next Sunday. But Sunday morning is a part of a much bigger picture in this church. That's how we see it. We, 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 we look at all the various ministries that we do, the things that we communicate, the way in which we present things as a much bigger picture of not what we're doing, but where are we going. And here's where we're going. We're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The goal is to be more and more like Jesus in the world around us. Not a bunch of robots who look like each other. Right? We're not looking for uniformity. We're looking for one body pursuing the lover of our souls, Jesus Christ. To inspire people to passionately follow Jesus. 
Across from our mission, we have our, our values as another significant part of our frame of our, and, and, and really our, our, our values are communicated. Obviously, they are the things that we value. Obviously, it's, a, it's what guides our direction and our priorities as a church. It's what distinguishes us from another church down the road, right? Again, doesn't make us better or worse. It just makes us us. And so when we communicate our values, we use the acronym SALTED to help communicate our values. It makes it a little bit more memorable. And it's even biblical, right? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Right, what does salt do? It preserves, right? It flavors, right? And so what Jesus says, you are the you are to preserve the earth. You are to flavor the earth, right? Not with not necessarily what we bring to the table, but with what Christ has done in, in us, right? Jesus said that if if salt loses its saltiness, it's useless. Right? And so we are the salt of the earth. And so we use this this acronym salted to help remember and communicate our values. And I'll give them to you all up front, right up front. The first one, the S stands for seeing people connect with God. The A stands for the authority of God's word. The L stands for legacy cubed. The T stands for team ministry. The E stands for every member a missionary. And the D stands for dynamic worship experience. These are the things that communicate our values. Now, there's other things that we love, and, but the reality of it is everything we do, every decision we, we, we engage in, every, uh, every, um, um, uh, every agenda we pursue is filtered through the lens of our values and how they will help us to reach our mission of inspiring people to passionately follow Jesus. And so the S is, again, it is seeing people connect with God. There's nothing more exciting, right, than seeing someone walk in, in, into the church or into our life that, that is far from God, right? That, they are that, that, that wandering soldier, warrior, where was it we sang about this morning, that wounded person that, that feels disconnected with God, and then they hear the gospel, right, and they embrace Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, and things change, right? Not just their circumstances, but their disposition before God. God. They got a kick in their step because now they're recognizing and walking in God's plan and purpose for their lives. How many have connected with God and are all the better for it? And so we, we want to see people connecting with God, helping people to, to find God's plan and purpose for their lives. John writes in his third epistle, verse 4, he says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And that's something we value here. We want to see, we want to see our, 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 our church family um, firing on all cylinders, pursuing God's plan and purpose for their life, and living as God has designed for them to live so they can walk out in the, the joys and blessings that follow that. Seeing people connect with God. The A stands for the authority of God's word. Integrity Church is unapologetically committed to the authority of God's word. We don't negotiate it. We don't defend it. We don't make apologies for it. We are unapologetically committed to the authority of God's word. We recognize that God's truth doesn't change over time. It isn't determined by, by popular opinion, and it's not up for a vote or for discussion. His word is unchanging. Despite what the culture celebrates and takes pride in, God's word does not change, and we are committed to it. 
Has it grieved you like it has grieved me to see so many churches and leaders over the years adjust their teaching based on the popular opinion of the day? To adjust their, their, their theology on what is accepted in the world today for fear of offending people. I want you to know I'm more concerned about offending God than offending people. And bringing anything less than the full truth of God's word is an offense to people as well. We are unapologetically committed to the authority of God's word. The L stands for legacy cute. This speaks to, to two aspects of our, of our values. It, it, it speaks of, of building a spiritual legacy by, by discipling others. We believe that disciples of Jesus ought to be discipling other people, right? Just the very nature of discipleship, right? When we talk about being a, a disciple, we are a disciple of Jesus. Well, listen, Jesus is the disciple maker. So as disciples, we look at our discipler. That means that we are to follow what Jesus does. And Jesus disciples people. A person who doesn't, isn't involved in discipling other people cannot call themselves a disciple of Jesus. We are to pour into the lives of other people. We are to share that which God has taught us and, and share the, the, the truth of the gospel and help people along in their spiritual journey. I oftentimes say that Everybody needs a Paul, everybody needs a Barnabas, and everybody needs a Timothy, right? Everybody needs a, a Paul. A Paul is someone who's over them, someone who's a little further down the road spiritually that can speak into their life and provide direction and correction when necessary. Everybody needs a Paul in their life. Everybody needs a Barnabas. Barnabas is that buddy. Bar Barnabas is that friend that will come alongside you and, and isn't impressed with the position you hold or, or the amount of money that you have. He's just a friend who's going to love you at all times. And he'll, he's not worried about offending you. He's going to be straight up honest or she's going to be straight up honest with you. That friend, that Barnabas. And then everybody needs a Timothy. Timothy is somebody you're pouring into. Timothy is someone who you can take your experiences and share them with that person with the hopes of helping them avoid some of the pitfalls that you may have walked in in your life. Discipleship is not so much a, a noun, but it is a verb, right? It is not a title that we have. I'm a disciple of Jesus. No, it is a verb. It is something that we are engaging in on a day-to-day -day basis. It also refers to disciples. It also refers to our commitment to intergenerational ministry. One of the um, exciting things that has been really uh, coming to fruition since we've actually been, been, been focusing on this uh, these last number of years has been our intergenerational ministry. Um, obviously, every church uh, has a sense of, uh, of multi-generational ministry, and that's a wonderful thing. But what we're looking for is not necessarily every generation represented in the room. But what we're excited about is that these generations are actually interacting with one another, that this relationship that's going on, and it's been very exciting, right? Just like in a, in a, in a, in a family, you need mom and dad and aunt and, you know, those crazy uncles even, right? Like you need, you need the whole grandma and grandpa, right? When you have all of them together, there, there's such value in that. It brings a wholesomeness. It brings perspective. It, it, it celebrates history. It, it preserves future, right? It's so necessary in a family. And it's also very necessary in the church. We need the moms and the dads and the grandmas and the grandpas and the crazy uncles. We got a couple of them too. 
right? But you need all the family together. It's been so encouraging this last year to see so many of our teens helping out in our children's church and our, our young adults pouring into our teenagers, right? And, and our, in our, in our um, encore group, pour, getting involved and engaging in relationship with our young adults and having dinner together and connecting with one another. It's such a beautiful picture of what the church ought to be. Intergenerational ministry helps us to be healthy and ensure God's plan and purpose for the church. Listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 78, great passage on, on generational ministry. Psalm 78, verse, 30, uh, verse 3 and 4 says, Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children, but we will tell it to the upcoming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. What a great picture of what we ought to all be doing, celebrating what God has done in our past, our present, and then telling it to our future generations. Then the T stands for team ministry. Team ministry. At Integrity Church, we recognize that it takes a team. It takes a family to accomplish what God has called us to do. There's no one person that makes Integrity Church what it is. Nobody is that important. God puts a whole bunch of nobodies into a room and allows us to Focus on the greatest person in the room, Jesus Christ, and through us, through one another, God is able to accomplish great things. The church, of, church, is, the church is God's church, and he knows what's needed in it for it to, th- for it to thrive. Paul writes to, to the church in Corinth in chapter 12 of his first epistle, and he tells us that, that God places various gifts into the body as he wills. And you know, no one person has all of the gifts, That's why, and that's designed that way. It causes the body to be mutually dependent on other parts of the body. And so beautifully lays out for us the picture of the local church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 as we see the body mutually dependent upon one another. And that's why the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. And the foot can't say to the head, I have no need of you. Right? And we see a beautiful picture of the body connecting can I just tell you this? Nobody is expendable in the church. Everybody is valuable. Everybody is necessary. We rely on the uniqueness of one another to accomplish God's plan for us. We do that corporately as well as individually. And so we are individual members of the body of Christ. And so we recognize team ministry is a tremendous value. We We're always looking to see who has been gifted in what area so we can release that person to operate in their gifting and continue to glorify God in that. The E stands for every member is a missionary. You know, Christianity is not a spectator sport. The reality is, as Christians, we are are missionaries to the world around us. Look, we are not like missionaries. We are missionaries. Like, you don't have to imagine being a missionary You are a missionary. In fact, actually, here's a better word for it. We are ambassadors, right? What is an ambassador? ambassador, An ambassador goes to a foreign country and represents the country in which he has his citizenship in. He goes into a foreign country representing his home country. I thank God 
that I'm an American. I thank God for my American citizenship. But even more than that, I am thankful that I have a heavenly country that I call home, that I have a citizenship in heaven. And as I live my life here in America, I am bringing my citizenship in heaven, and I am representing as an ambassador of that heavenly country in the world around us. That's what we are, folks. And you know what? Sometimes we can lose focus on that. We can so get so consumed and busy on all the other stuff that's going on around us. But when it all comes down to it, we are ambassadors for Christ in the world in which we are called. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 5, and verse 20 says this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Look, God making his appeal through us. Isn't that powerful? God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's what we are. That's what we are. We're ambassadors of this heavenly country. And we are placed in the location we're in, at the time we're in, in the community we're in, to be an ambassador for Christ in that place. The great Charles Haddon Spurgeon said it this way, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. That quote clearly defines our role on this earth as, as followers of Jesus. Every member is a missionary. And so my prayer is that, that as you're a, a part of this church, and you look, because you look and say, well, you know, that sounds good. How in the world do I do that? Well, that's why we're together. Right? That's why God's placed various gifts. And as a pastor in the church and as elders in the church, we are to equip the church to do the work of the ministry. And so it, is, it, is, it allows us to be able to engage with one another so that we can be better equipped as missionaries in the world that God's called us to. Our D stands for dynamic worship experience. I mean, worship is a lot of things. Obviously, we, we've engaged. I'm so thankful for our worship team. I, I mean, how many are appreciative of the passion that our worship team brings to, the, uh, to us on a Sunday morning? And uh, amen, I, yeah, I think it's really well appreciated. Can I tell you, they're not just up here because they're talented, although they are. I thank God that it's an overflow of their walk with Christ. They're anointed by God, and I appreciate that God uses them as they bring their gifts and give them to God. We get to benefit from that and join with them. And so I, I thank God for that. I thank God for them. But you know what? Worship is so much more than just what we just did for the last 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. Worship is all of life. Right? Worship is, worship is every time we say no to ourselves and say yes to God, worship just took place. Right? Every time we, we, we die to ourself and say yes to God, that the life of Christ may be lived out, that is, that is worship in the truest sense of the word. Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What a picture that is. We all know what a dead sacrifice is, right? They are dead. But what we're called to be is, is living sacrifices. That means we are dead to ourselves. Right? Paul said it this way. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, Galatians chapter 2. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life that I live by faith, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when I live for Christ and die to myself 
I'm living a life of worship in the truest sense of the word. And so that ought to be dynamic. That ought to be exciting. That ought to be, there's nothing more exciting than being sold out for Christ. I've met people go, oh, you know, the problem with Christianity gets a little boring sometimes. I don't know what, you've, what you're looking at. Have you met those Christians? They look like Eeyore. Like they've been sucking on lemons. Like, man, you know what? See, here's the thing. It's not hard, it's not hard to be a Christian. It's hard to walk the line. It's hard to have a foot in the world and a foot in the church because you don't benefit from the blessings of the church and you certainly don't benefit from being in the world and you're kind of in that weird space. But the reality of it is when you cross over that line and you, and, and you get to that point where you present yourself as a living sacrifice, there's no greater joy, there's no greater, there's no greater sense of purpose and nothing more fulfilling than walking in what God has designed for us to walk in. It is dynamic in the true sense. So it doesn't mean they won't go through hard times. But even in the midst of those hard times, God gives us the ability to rise above it and see Christ in the midst of it. And so those are our values. They help us to inspire people to passionately follow Jesus. At the base of our frame is what we call our strategy. And we use a picture of a funnel to uh, best communicate our, our strategy. And you see, basically, uh, these are our gathering times together. This is how we help people to passionately follow Jesus. This is how we help people to, to live out the values of, the, of our church. And so where does it take place? Well, ultimately, the, the biggest gathering that we have is on Sunday morning, right? It's here that we are in worship together, engaging in communion and fellowship together and being under the word together. But... And, and as valuable as this point this is, uh, you can only connect with one another at, at, you know, so much over a bagel, right? And so we recognize while this is important, the church is designed to have so much more than just that. And so as we get into smaller areas of ministry, right, and we go into areas of, of, of pillars and mosaic and young adults and 179 and, and life groups and things like that, the audiences in those groups get smaller and smaller, and it provides opportunity for intimacy to become greater and greater. And as we're engaging with one another and pouring into the lives of one another, it's God operating his, his plan and purposes through one another. That's when the church is really able to be the church. We start sharing and, and living this life together the way God's designed for us to live one another. And as we're doing that, we're going through the funnel and out on mission and going and reaching people, inspiring people to passionately follow Jesus. This idea of inspiring people to passionately follow Jesus, it's not my job. It's our job. It's our call. It's our opportunity, right? It's, it's, it's reaching the people that God has placed in your life to inspire them to passionately follow Jesus. Don't let people settle for religiosity and disconnected religion, but point them to a very living God who loves them and cares for them and provided a way for them to passionately and lovingly be in union with Christ together. That's our strategy. We have our, our midweek services, right? Our gatherings together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says this. Do not forsake or do not neglect the gathering or the meeting together as the habit of some is. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
What God is giving to us here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 is a strategy on how to thrive in the midst of difficult times. And, and God's plan and design for the church is as we gather together, we thrive together. We draw off of one another so that we can walk in God's plan and purpose together. At the top of our frame, we have our, our metrics. Metrics are important in everything in life. If you have a business, you, you always are looking to see what, what, you know, what, what, how do I know if I'm winning? Right, how, how do I know if I'm moving the ball down the field here, right? Am I just kind of, I, it's great that you've got your mission and your values and your, and your strategies, but here's the thing. If nobody's changing, it's not working, right? If, if lives aren't being, uh, aren't being changed, if people aren't connecting to God, then your strategies and your mission is failing at some point, right? And so you've got to put metrics in place so you can take a look back and say, all right, so how, how are we doing in this area? Let's put our hand on the pulse of this and see, is what we're doing, is it uh, uh, causing fruit to, to uh, increase? And so what we do is we have, we have three areas that we use as a metric, and we do this. We, we look at, again, the, the ministries we put out there and the decisions we make, we, we look at that through the lens of, are we seeing fruit in these things? And if it's not over time, we kill it, right? We, we've, we've thrown more things up against the wall that didn't stick and got rid of over these last number of years because who's got time to spin their wheels, And so we're always looking at seeing how do we most effectively help people on this journey. Again, it's not about what we're doing. It's about where we're going. We're we're moving in a direction. We're going. We're growing more and more into the image of Christ. And so we have these metrics that that we put in place. The first one is, uh, and we have used an R for each of them to help it be a little bit more memorable. And the first one is a revival of Christianity. How do we know we're winning? We're seeing people come to Christ. Not the kind of revival that, 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 that we see blasted all over the place, right? That, that, that's, that's not what I'm highlighting. We want to see genuine revival. We want to see a true move of God that manifests itself in repentance from sins, in holy living, in marriages coming together, in children and, and parents being restored. Genuine moves of God that reflect the character and fruit of the Spirit in the life of believers. How many want that kind of revival? A revival of Christianity. Are we seeing people come into faith? Are we seeing people baptized? Are we seeing people passionately growing in their love for Jesus? The second thing we want to start seeing, we want to see as a metric is a commitment to restoring the establishment of the home. We believe God created the home. And the assault on the home is an assault on God's design in the family. And I believe the church needs to step up and fill the gap of what family biblically ought to look like. We believe God has something to say about how a husband is to treat a wife, how a wife is to respond to her husband, how children are to be raised, and how how siblings are to engage. God created the family, and he knows what is necessary for it to thrive. It's not open to an individual's interpretation or to a culture's redefinition. God gives us everything we need to know so we can thrive in those areas. And so we want to see a restoration of the establishment of the home. And then lastly, we want to see a reinvestment into the community. Are we getting out there? Are we, because here's the thing, we're not looking to create a monastery, 
where people come to church and they, they learn new stuff, and that's great. I know a lot. But if, if you know, knowledge puffs up, the scripture says, right? And so the, the goal is that we come in here to, go, to learn, to grow, to, be, to, 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 to worship so that we can go out there and live it out on the field of life and point people to Jesus, right? And so what we want to do is we want to reinvest back into our communities, we want to use the people we have, the resources we have, whatever God gives us to, as a tool to reach and reinvest in, the, in, in, in our communities. It's been exciting this last, this last year. We've done more outreach. We've spent more resources gladly on ministering to other people than we've ever done before. And I look forward to this next coming year to see that continue to grow, to see more and more people actively engaged in and being on mission because that's what ambassadors do. Our reinvestment into the community is an overflow of our passionate love for Jesus and our values of our church. Seeing people connect with God, the authority of God's word, legacy cubed, team ministry, every member a missionary and dynamic worship. By the grace of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, as we come to a new year, it's my prayer that we are more passionate in our love for Jesus this year. More committed to God than we've ever been before. More committed to reflect Jesus in our communities. More committed to reflect Jesus to one another in the house of God. It's my prayer that we spend more resources, give more of our time, do more outreach, more involvement from each and every person as we together seek to help people connect with God out of a passionate love for Jesus. That's who we are, church. And by the grace of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, I pray that we would continue to grow in that area day by day to the glory and majesty of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're doing here at Integrity Church. Lord, it's been so amazing to see your hand of blessing, to engage with one another, to see you at work in one another and through one another. Lord, it gives us such great joy as we begin a new year to know that you who have been faithful in the past will continue to be faithful in the future. And so, Lord, we pray that, that, that God, you would stir um, the fire up in us, and that we'd be um, a reflection of Jesus uh, to one another and to the world around us, so that, Lord, we might make you proud and that you might be glorified in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together and close out our time and worship the Lord.